what? I'm just going to tell my story about the 104 skins, all right? Do it. Because I think it's fun. Yep. So uh, It is fun. So I don't know much about the Bible, but me and Nina were talking about how there's a story in the Bible where Saul, not from the Breaking Bad spinoff no. show, Better Call Saul, which I've seen neither of, but that's fine. Mm, I have not seen it. I've seen Breaking Bad, but not Better Call Saul. Uh, Saul, in order for uh, this guy, David, who would later become the king of yes, Israel. He's the king of Israel. He's one of the like, biggest kings ever. All right, cool. Uh, but not in stature, right? He's a small guy. He beat, uh, he beat Goliath. Well, he beat Goliath. But yeah, he so was he a, just... He was a... It was allegedly like a young teen when he beat Goliath. Well, he could have had a gross spurt. Anyway, in order to marry Saul's daughter, he... Michael. What? Saul's daughter's name was Michael. Michael? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, her name's Michael. Okay. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> but in order to marry Michael, I guess, and they say homosexuality is a sin, but David and Michael, sounds like something. That's fine. Um... Uh, he had to go and cut off a hundred Persian foreskins in the war and like bring them back in a sack. Do you know how bad that had to have smelled? Yeah, they had to carry it. They had to bring them back from like Persia. Like I think Persia and Jerusalem aren't like you know they don't have like They're cars. Not that close. It's a decent trek, and he's got to come back with a sack of foreskins, and then he had to go around to a bunch of dead soldiers like. Cut off all their hoodies, you know? It, you know. I want someone to love me that much. Yeah. I mean, those guys could have been four out of five of Nina's first sexual partners. Yeah. And he's just going around lopping um, off their foreskins. Did you know skins. I forgot that I told that story and I was listening to the podcast the other day? You and forget everything. everything. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe I said that. I couldn't believe you said it either. That's why I left it in. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I get to call it back right now and just keep it in the lore of this podcast. Ah, uh, but anyway, I was driving. I was like, Nina. What did you do? What did you do? Uh, but anyway, that is how David became eventually the king of Jerusalem. Yep. And just no one is worth it. No one, no one person is worth me having to go and cut off the tips of a hundred men's penises. Did you hear that, Jesse? Uh, yeah, I'm not doing it for Jesse. Sorry. I can't believe you would not do that for Jesse. One, I'd have to commit a hundred murders. <laughs> so, yeah. And then two, I'd have to desecrate the bodies afterwards. I think I'd just get a new girlfriend oh at my that point. God. <laughs> so. This feels like the conversation we had at work about how many goats would I be worth a long time ago it's like two right um the total ended up being figured out to be about four and a half okay i'll take four and a half goats like yeah. four goats and a chicken yeah yeah because i called my parents and asked them how many goats i would need to be exchanged for four and a half sounds about right yep and my dad said what's the running rate for a goat <laughs> that's a good question mr <laughs> kern and so i googled it and i told him and he was like uh yeah four and a half yeah. My mom said a thousand, which I much preferred that oh, answer. You're not worth a thousand go- goats, but the intro to this podcast is worth a thousand yes, goats. Is. So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, I hope you really enjoyed my Bible story we listened to, because even if you're not uh, close with the Bible, you will be close <laughs> with the uh, figure that we're talking about today. Yes, Mother... Teresa. Or as you lovely put on the outline today, Mama Teresa. Yeah, Mama Teresa. Which I do like better. I wish she went by Mama Teresa. Also, how do you graduate from being a sister to a mother? You do what she did. I love the vagueness in that and how we're going to talk about it right now. Yeah, I'm your mother now. 
Uh, That's what she would whisper in people's ears as they were dying. I'm the mommy now. I'm your mama now. Oh, uh, please. I oh, that's so bad. I just have a minor kidney infection. Yeah, well, I'm the you're going to die. Now. You're going to die. Welcome to the you're house of the... You're going to die, bitch. Welcome to the house of the dying. Aptly that's what named. She, yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we already... Cats out of the bag. We're talking about Mother Teresa. Um, we've talked about religion on this show before. But, uh, you know, what happens when you feel so led to share your religion with others that you just can't stop that itch? It's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) The itch to share your religion. (laughs) You go on a missions trip, Kashan. Oh, okay. I was thinking of powder, but a missions trip works, too. It's estimated that over 2 million people per year participate in a missions trip. Missions in general, it's had a lot of controversy over the years, as it freaking should. And this story, no exception. We've all heard of Mother Teresa, the saint who helped thousands of impoverished people all over the globe, a woman who dedicated her life to serving those less fortunate, a woman who pledged her life to God. And although we hear these stories of the goodness that she brought, is there another side? Let's find out. I'm your mother now. I'm the mommy now. (laughs) <laughs> so gross. I'm going to start saying that to you at work. So, just come up behind you. I'm your mommy now. Oh, man. <laughs> Add it to the things you hate that I do. Okay. Oh, man. So, Mother Teresa. Who was she? Well, before she was a Mother Teresa, she was born on August 26, 1910, and her real name is... Agnes Ganje Boyajiu. Yep, th- that was her name. Um, she was born in Skopje. Should have liked the pronunciation. No, I did. I I listened to it like four times Skopje. and then I brain dumped it. Which at the time this was part of the Ottoman Empire. That's um, old. Yeah. Well, actually, it's not that old. She was only born in 1910. Only it lasted for a long time. But like when you think about the Ottoman Empire, you think it ended like way longer than that. Yeah. When I found that out, I was like, wow, really? It's only been like out of here for a hundred years apparently so anyways uh it was part of the ottoman empire when she was born now it's the capital of north macedonia which is not india i thought this woman was born in india oh lies i think it's close to india though right no it's not close to india it's like above greece what yeah it's kind of close not it's that like, close. Because it's like Italy, and then I guess it, it is on the other side of the Middle East, right? Because then you have the Middle East, and then India's over here. Uh, you're bad at geography, and I forget, so. I don't know. Wow. But she lived there. Like she lived there for 18 years, and then she moved to Ireland. And then after she, she moved to Ireland, she then went to India, where she lived most of her life. It is noted that Mother Teresa, she was deeply devoted to religion from an early age. Like, she fucking loved Catholicism. She really got off on it. And it's said that by age 12, she committed herself to a religious life. I, I have a lot of issues with this for multiple reasons. Um, I like it, but I think zero of them are popular. I don't think that any of them are popular. No, I just think it's bullshit because, like, when you're 12, you just be a fucking 12-year-old. You don't need to be... 
out here like living for Jesus. Hey, you got one life here on earth, Nina. Okay, yeah. but you have eternal life after this. So she may be 12 here, but she's going to be fucking 87 or whatever in eternal life forever. She's got to put no, in the work. No, she goes back to her young body. She's got to. She's given a new body in heaven. How young, by the way? Do, do you just become formless? You know what? This is this is a conversation so for it, a different time. So I just really want to answer your question. Fine. <laughs> so when you go, it's said that when you go to heaven, you're given a new body. So it depends on who you ask. Some people say like you'll go back to your prime. And then some people say it's a brand new body. Oh, man. My prime's not like that prime, though. Well, you know, then you should. have. I don't know what to tell you. Like, why can't I just be Megan Fox when in her prime instead? Yeah, I wish I also wish that. See, you know, like. That would have been dope. Just let me choose. Yeah, I would love to be Megan Prime. I mean, Megan Fox, not in her prime. She's hot. I think she's still in her prime, so I don't know what yeah. not in her not in her prime would be like seven. So I'm not well, doing that. And she was a fugly kid. Yikes. But so is Mother Teresa. So back to her. Um, she wasn't a cute kid. So <laughs> she just said you just called Mother Teresa ugly as a it, kid. She wasn't a cute kid. What a low blow. And then you see no pictures of her from, from middle aged, like nothing from twenty. You, you, I only have seen pictures of this woman when she was ten. Not cute. Eighty seven. Not cute. I, I don't right. know what she looked like. I don't know what Mother Teresa looked like in her prime. All I right, she was, Mother Teresa was was ugly. We get it. No, Nina. she might have been hot. Stop. She may have been hot. We don't know. Stop body but shaming Mother Teresa. Not, I'm not body shaming her. I'm just face shaming her. <laughs> So, in 1928, Mother Teresa, she went home, she left home, and she went to Ireland, and she joined the Sisters of Loretto at the Loretto Abbey in Rathfarham, Ireland. You got it. Um, she never saw her mom or her sister again. Her dad was already dead, but she never went back home, is what legend says, which is kind of sad. Um, she went there because she wanted to learn English to become a missionary. Mm. So, and then... You have to apply to be a nun, but I don't really know how it worked in 1910. Oh, I think you just got into the habit of it. <laughs> Good one, Kashan. <laughs> yeah. That's my nun So, pun. anyways, in 1929, she began to know, oh, uh, she began her novitate, novitate. There's a lot of words that are hard. I thought today. it was Navitati, so <laughs> that's it's, fine. It's, so anyway, she did this in Darjeeling, near the Himalayas. And so what a Navitate is, it's like a test run of being a nun or a monk. Like it's almost like student teaching for a nun. You gotta try it out, right? Yeah. You gotta try it out before you get them celibacy vows. You know, yes. you're like, Oh, do I really wanna do this? And like Do I really wanna not, not have sex down? forever? They yeah. all fuck each other anyway. Oh, well, yeah. But. They just keep it on the DL. But she liked it. And she was good at not boning. She was good at it. Because she was ugly, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Made it easier. She was like, oh, I'll never get married. I'll become a nun. Um, and anyway, she took her solemn vows. So you take multiple vows. I didn't put when... I didn't think it... I don't really think it matters when she took all these vows. But she took her solemn vows, which is her last ones, in 1937. And she began... To be a teacher at a convent school in Easter Calcutta, which and she ended up working there a really long time. She was there for over 20 years and she was actually she actually became the headmistress in 1944. But although she liked working at the school, she was getting becoming more and more upset about the poverty that, that was she saw in the town and she wanted to do something about it. So, in 1946, Mother Teresa was on a train on her annual retreat, which was supposed to... They said it was like a nun conference, which I don't believe this 
she was on she was on vacay, which is fine. She can nuns need a vacation too. A vacation nun. A vacation nun. She was on a vacation nun. It was a yearly habit to go on a vacation nun. We're on a roll. We are. <laughs> um, and so she was on this train, and when she was on the train, she felt that God was telling her to leave the convent and serve the poor. And she describes it as the call within a call. Confusing. Which, um, okay, so for our listeners who are not religious, this is very similar to what I have heard people say or what I know of missionaries in the Christian church. I know that Christians and Catholics kind of believe the same thing, but this is very popular in evangelical Christianity. They uh, Missionaries or pastors, they will feel as though God is calling them to certain ministries, and your call can be anything. Um I personally believe that a lot of people just have empathy or they want to help people or they have a really a passion for something and they justify it when people are like, that's crazy or that sounds like that'll never work. They'll be like, well, God called me to do it so that because you're not going to fight God. Yeah. God is really calling me to the big titty department of the Catholic Church. It's it's my call. It's my call. Well, I was like, I remember as a teenager, I was convinced that I was called to the entertainment industry, but that was only because I liked acting and comedy. It's my call. I want to be Bible man sidekick. No, I didn't want to. I just wanted to be famous. Bible woman. All she does is stay home and cook and clean like what the Bible says. It's not what I wanted to do. (laughs) Also, I hate Bible man. Of, of course. It's so boring. <laughs> he talked about Bible Man already. <laughs> I know. But anyway, Mother Teresa went out and she started helping the poor. She ended up adopting Indian citizenship, and she also received basic medical training at Holy Family Hospital. Now, I don't know how good of that, I don't know how good this basic medical training was. Okay? They told her how to, like, wrap gauze. They're like, this is how you wrap gauze. This is how you it's like put for, Neosporin on a wound. It's got to be like first aid certification, which yeah. is what I took, right? Yeah. I mean, it can't be too it much more than that. And this was also like the 40s. Oh, yeah. So it's like for a woman in India, I don't know how good this training was. They're still kind of around the time where it's like, cut it off. Yeah. So Low key. Yeah. Uh, antibiotics were in like the 50s. So this is really like, yeah, I don't know. Cut it off. So anyway, during this time, she is serving the poor. She ended up founded. <laughs> A school, and she and a group of young women helped the poor and the hungry in Kolkata, which um, isn't close to West Bengal. So Kolkata and Cal- Kolkata so, and Calcutta are different. No, they're the same. Um, they changed the spelling of the name. Oh, yep. They ended up changing the spelling of the name. Wow, that's not confusing at all. No, nope, not at all. And her foundation, Help Center, whatever you want to call it, was what she she would call it as a place to. Help the poorest among the poor. All right. And uh, the name of this ended up being the Missionaries of Charity, which is now all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know this until we read about when we started the podcast. Um, I Googled it and there's like three in Chicago. So mm. didn't even know that. Oh, and disclaimer, we're not only just shitting on Mother Teresa. We're really just like shitting on the Catholic Church, which is the rich part of this. Yeah. So you're obviously probably thinking like, oh, Mother Teresa wasn't rich. And we get that. We totally get that. This is um, more. And what we're going to get into is about the crimes of the Catholic Church in this instance, which there are some money crimes involved. So we decided Mm -hmm. to go over it. Um, 
But you guys got to understand that, and you probably know already, that the Catholic Church is an extremely wealthy organization. We already got a little glimpse of it in our Michelle Sendona episodes back in season one, where we really talk about like how they make money, what they do with money, and how they're really, really um, sketchy. sketchy with money. Yeah. So, and this is just another branch of that. Yeah. But I'm just going to give the highlights of what her charity does slash did, because I could be here to like... We could have a, like, two-hour-long episode just talking about the aid that they give, but... Speaking of... Speaking of Mother Teresa's charity empire, she helped those with AIDS and leprosy. She founded the Children's Home of the Immaculate Heart. Um, Other houses associated with her charity opened around the world, and from the outside, it seemed like, oh, wow, this little nice nun. She devoted her life to help the poor, but uh, there was some devious shit that happened. It was devious. So in 1994, Robin Fox, who was an editor of a British medical journal, went and visited the home of the dying destitutes, which is actually what this home is called. I was really hoping that that was just like the translation of the language and that it wasn't that nasty. But um, on the like sign it says on, that. on the on the building, it says that. Just imagine being poor. Like, super poor. Yeah. Uh, like, you live outside. You have nothing, almost. And you get sick, and they carry you, you to a building that just says the house of the dying destitutes. You're like, no, it's like that fucking Monty Python sketch. It's like, I'm not dead yet. Yeah, <laughs> Don't literally. Don't put me on the cot. <laughs> no, literally. And these people were all on cots. Um, but Robin Fox, he was appalled at the medical treatment that the patients were being given at home. And, um, yeah, it was not... It was not good. So most of, most of the nuns and the volunteers who were there, they had little to no medical training, and they were just doing whatever they could to help people. Now, I will preface this by saying, I do think that these people were trying to help people. Mm-hmm. However, I would not go and volunteer at a hospital because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, like especially like as basically a doctor. Yes. You know? I would never volunteer myself in that way i also even if i am like let's just say for some weird reason i'm helping somewhere with medicine yeah i also know certain things to do and not to do and a lot of the things that were going on at the house of the dying destitutes they weren't being cleanly i think everybody it's like you know what you're doing is wrong so, like, quit doing it. I know you're trying to help, but, like... Yeah, I know. Uh, Freaking medicine, um, treatment. Did they know this? No, they knew none. None. Ha, 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 Well, and, there, and so, there weren't... There also weren't really any resident doctors on the site. And the doctors that did come, they were infrequent. And so, patients were misdiagnosed and not given the actual... Given the correct medical attention all the time. So Fox recalls a patient who was given certain antibiotics to treat his fever. And uh, it was later he was diagnosed with malaria. So whatever they were giving him, not working. But because these people had no medical training, they were just like, I don't know, give him a fucking antibiotic. And obviously antibiotics don't kill malaria. Malaria is a eukaryotic parasite, not a bacteria. It it doesn't work. Right. So it wouldn't have worked. And then um, also medical equipment was not cleaned properly. properly, And one volunteer recalls recalls, syringes being run (laughs) under cold water 
What? Oh, That's this is terrible. Oh, I thought I said something wrong. Yeah. So anyway, they were running the syringes under cold water to clean them off, and so they were sticking a needle in one patient, putting it under cold water, and sticking it in someone else. And when they were told, like, "Hey, why are you doing that? Like, why don't you at least boil the water to like clean this shit?" Yeah. They were like, "Oh, it doesn't matter." Yeah, because even in, like, microbiology labs, like, when I was taking them in college, you just, like, lit up a Bunsen burner, Mm -hmm. and you would just, that's how you would sterilize, like, bacterial loops. You would just, like, stick them in the fire and pull them out and then rinse it off with water. You could literally just do that. Yeah, but they weren't doing that. And I think that a lot of the reason that they were going about these medical practices the way that they were going about them was Mm -hmm. they viewed this as a house for the dying. This was not exactly, and we're going to find out more later, but... This was not a place where people went to be cured. This is a place where they, they went, went to, to die. die. Jinx. And it was very obvious that that's how this, how everyone there was being treated. It was not like, let's help these people get better. It was, let's make them comfortable or let's try to make them comfortable. I was about to say, but they're not die. even making them comfortable. But they're, they're not even making them comfortable. They're like giving them cross infections by using dirty needles and stuff. Like that's not going to make yeah. them comfortable. They're... They're half-assed trying to treat them, and that will cause more problems than than they fix. Absolutely. And there was also a lot of overcrowding in the homes, and it it would be hard to... It just reminds me of COVID and, like, how overcrowding and, like, it would just spread like wildfire. I'm sure they had issues with, like, different diseases just spreading because it was just so overpopulated. And so many people, they needed help, but at the same time, you have to make sure, like, there's not too many people. Yeah. And people in her medical care, they didn't have to die. There was a lot of people who could have gotten better, um, but the charity had to keep up with their image of taking care of the dying. So they weren't giving people like I just said this, but they just weren't giving people the care that they needed. A A journalist slash volunteer, she recalls how when she was at the charity, this was a British woman, she was volunteering. There was an American doctor who was also volunteering, and she came out of one of the rooms, and she was really, really upset, and she was like, what's wrong? And she told her that a 15-year-old boy had come in. He originally had had a very minor kidney issue, but um, since he wasn't given antibiotics, it just kept getting progressively worse and worse and worse, Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where he needed surgery. Well, in the woman, in the doctor's eyes, granted, I have never been to this area of India I don't know how feasible what I'm about to say actually is or like how easily hospitals will just allow people to come in and get care. I will say that. But in the doctor's eyes, she felt that the care the charity could have simply gotten gotten him a cab to the hospital where he could have gotten the surgery he needed, but they but the charity refused to do that. They just kept saying we don't do that here. And there was also um uh, just so you know, I looked up the public hospital system is essentially free for all Indian residents, except for small, often symbolic co-payments in some services. So it could have been. I, I think it could have been. So they could have done that. They could have yeah. just shipped them off to a hospital where they could have gotten treatment. Yeah. The only thing that just confuses me is why were these people going to the House of the Dying Destitutes instead of just going to the hospital? Probably because they're religious. That could have been. That could have been. Mm-hmm. Well, but it was also said that there were people who ended up being like volunteers would recall that they would see people who were tied to beds, tied to trees. Okay, yeah, but what did those people do? I don't know. You know, not everyone's tied to a tree. So what did the guy who got tied to a tree do? I don't know, but I don't think we should be tying people to trees. I mean, maybe he got rabies. He's going around slapping some people or something, and they're like, I don't know, man, tie him to a tree. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it just became more and more clear the more I was researching this that they were really exploiting the sick and they were exploiting the dying because it yeah. cause a lot of these people didn't have to die. And that's just gross. Oh, well, yeah. Like, don't do that. That's not cool. And um, Mother Teresa told Christopher Hitchens, who is an American critic, who puts this woman on blast in a documentary that is not very good. It's called Hell's Angel. Um, it's about Mother Teresa. He did not like Mother Teresa at all. But um, the the documentary is very boring. But he was one of her biggest critics. And um, she told him one time, there is something beautiful in seeing the poor accept their lot. To suffer like Christ's passion. The world gains much from their suffering. I don't like that quote. Yeah, no, man. Just put it on the back of the poor, basically. Yeah. You know, the poor need to suffer to show like, oh, look at how bad it can be. But these people still need Christ. Kind of. Yeah, I don't like it. And another really bad thing that Mother Teresa's mission was doing was um, her mission would do baptisms of the dying. So this was really done in secret because... It's a fucking issue. Okay. Um, so Mother Teresa would encourage volunteers and people who worked for her to do secret baptisms of the dying without their consent. So um, everyone who came, people who came to the House of the Dying Destitutes, they weren't always Catholic. They weren't always Christian. Some of them were Hindu. Some of them were Muslim. I'm going to say you're in India. So yeah. Yeah. I, the two largest like religious populations, I'm pretty sure, are Hindu and Islamic. Yes. So. Exactly. So... What they would do was they would be, like, taking care of these people, and it would look like they were just, like, patting their head with a cold cloth, but really, like, they were muttering something that was baptizing them and so that if they died, they could go to heaven. And they so they were baptizing them Catholic or Christian. This is a huge issue. Not only... This is not just, like, exclusive to the House of the Dying Destitutes, unfortunately. This is, like, an issue with medical missions across the board. Um, not all, but a lot of medical missionaries will go to other countries and they will only help people who are sick and dying if they allow them to pray with them, which is just so shitty. Yeah. They're like gatekeeping your life. Basically. And like Jesus would not like that. Okay. First of all, Jesus would not be on board with that. Um, I had a, I had a roommate. He wouldn't like that. Um, no, I know. I just think it's a really weird quote that I never thought we would say in this podcast. Yeah, I know. Jesus wouldn't like that. No, he wouldn't. But here um, we are. No, but I had an old roommate in college. She went with our school. So our school was Christian affiliated. And she went on a missions trip to, well, she went on a medical. I'm just going to call it a missions trip. I don't know what it was actually called. I don't think the word missions trip was used. But they went on a, they went to Haiti to help people. Um a relief effort. Yeah. Thank you. And so she went there to give medical aid. And she, I remember when she came back, she was really, really upset because the people who ran the relief, they forced people who were in vulnerable states to like pray with them in order to receive basic medical care. And you're like, you, these people feel like they don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, a lot of them would come with their kids, and their kids were super sick, and they're like, well, we'll only take care of your kid if we can pray with you. And it's like, well, then how, like, what else are they supposed to do? Say no? No, No, because my kid is dying? Like, yeah, I guess you can pray with me, and then you can, like, put another notch in your belt for another person that you've saved and took to heaven or got to go to heaven, but at the end of the day, 
they just their kid needs taken care of and they're going to do whatever they can to help their child. Mm-hmm. And there's also a Christian like Christian homeless shelters will do this in the United States as well. Um so in Akron where I'm from, there's a homeless shelter that will only allow people to stay there if they go to the church services. And I remember even when cuz like I've done a couple volunteer I've I've done some volunteering there mm-hmm. when I was in junior high and high school and I just remember even at that time being like, that doesn't seem right. Like, we're not going to help you unless you come to our church services. Like, so if all of that we have listed, if that's not bad enough, just wait. So people criticize uh, Mother Teresa's charities a lot because the conditions of the facilities were really poor. And like, there were also people who were willing to like, they were like, somebody came and they didn't have any hot water. They're like, well, I know how to install a water heater. Like, let me do that for you. And they were like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that here. You don't have hot water here? Yeah. Like, what the heck? But they would refuse services like that. But people were donating millions and millions and millions of dollars into her charities. But uh, where's this money going if it's not helping the conditions of the charity? Dun, dun, dun. We don't know. We don't know where this money went. Yeah, it looks like there's really no traces of it Mm-mm. anywhere. So you, no. can't, you can't find where anything went. So uh-uh. we know they were getting a lot of donations in because people have been donating to this charity for, I mean, it's a huge charity. They have branches everywhere. Um, but all of their locations, or at least all of their locations in the extremely poverty-stricken places have nothing like i bet the i bet if you come into the ones in chicago i'm sure it's better they're probably pretty nice yeah it's probably better you know which also is kind of a it just makes you think like okay so you're funneling in money to like the developed nations which also means white for the most part mm-hmm. um and you're not giving the same sort of treatment or you're not giving money to the places that aren't and they could also just be embezzling it, honestly, because Correct. we don't know where it's going. No, there's no like I was really looking for a really long time um, where this money went and there's nothing on it. Yeah, it's just all you can find on it is that people donated a ton of money, but all the facilities were still crap and there was no rhyme or reason for why that was. Yeah. So where is the money gone? Um, and some also referred to Mother Teresa's charities as a museum of poverty, which is also an issue. Fair. And, uh, yeah, so there was serious misuse of funds, millions of dollars being pouring, pouring in, but no proof of where it was going, which I'm surprised no one was like, hey, where does this money go? But she also was smart, which I don't know who was embezzling it, because... It's not like Mother Teresa lived a lavish lifestyle, to our knowledge. Yeah, like she might have been. She might have even been passing it along to the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church easily. will always take money. Yeah, no, she very easily could have. They, I mean, they run off tithes. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, 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 very easily. Um, but then in 1969, uh, a BBC <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, 1969, a BBC <laughs> <laughs> nice taping called something beautiful for god um this was an episode that captured the good work of mother Teresa, and the world was able to see her good works and she was recognized as a living saint this was before she was made into a saint but people were like oh my god she's a saint um and it made the world view her in a positive light and so this was really instrumental 
in how we think of Mother Teresa today. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if you go up to anybody on the street and they're like, what do you think of Mother Teresa? I'm going to say the majority of the population isn't going to have a bad thing to say well, about she's her. She's sanctified. She's a literal saint. And I would assume that she's probably the last saint inducted. She's got to be one of the last. Yeah. I don't know how often they do that. Google it. Yeah, okay. Last person to become a saint. Well, because she was made a saint in 2017, which we'll talk about later. The 899 saints canonized by Pope Francis from 2013 to now? What? 899? So, yeah, oh my God. 800? So this happens a lot, I guess. Uh, Margaret of Chita di Castillo, or Castillo, uh, was an Italian Roman Catholic all the way back in the 1300s that was established as a saint, like, in April, like, uh, like a week ago. Um, but anyway, people loved Mother Teresa so much that she won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. But, um, you know, we all have our flaws, and Mother Teresa, one of her flaws was that she hated family planning. <laughs> And she was strongly against contraceptives and abortion, which is super convenient considering uh, she's supposed to be a virgin. Um, But family planning and being pro-life is very, you know, that's a huge part of being Catholic. I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty well known. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not shocking that she had that view. But the issue, because at first I wasn't even going to add this portion to the podcast. I was like, whatever. We all know she was pro-life. Like, she's obviously pro-life. Like, what the fuck's the big deal? Like, why is this such a big deal? But then, as I started digging deeper, I ended up finding out that Mother Teresa, well, she also would go to other countries a lot. So that was another thing. She was not just, like, stationary in India all the time. She started mm-hmm. traveling a lot and I think a lot of that was to promote Catholicism and she was really like a poster child for Catholicism, but she was going around and traveling to other countries, but while she was in these other countries, she would campaign a bunch against abortion, pulling at people's heartstrings. Like there was one thing that I watched in um she was in Ireland giving a speech and she was just, like, talking about abortion and how we shouldn't have abortion. And I was like, well, I mean, listen, if I'm already Catholic or if I'm on the fence, like, maybe I shouldn't be, like, am I pro-life? Am I not? How do I feel about this? Yeah, you're probably just, you you're hear, probably preaching to the choir at I that am. point. Yeah. Oh, no, you are. You are. It's I a, ca- I it's a Catholic you. thing. I hear you. But, uh... <laughs> So Mother Teresa is quoted saying that abortion is the greatest threat to world peace. And um, I thought I was dramatic, but uh, that's really dramatic. Right. It's not the atomic bomb, Mother Teresa. It's it's abortion abortion. for sure. Um, You know, all of our wars actually were fought over abortion, not like oil or communism. Abortion is what it was. Well, you know, Jessa Duggar from uh, 19 Kids and Counting said that abortion is the second Holocaust or something. Cool. Yeah. So, talking about trauma around abortion. Uh, but in uh, 1988, Mother Teresa went to London to advocate for the homeless. But uh, while she was there, she met with Margaret Thatcher and tried to convince her to support a bill limiting abortion. So, clearly, she was being used as a political puppet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the right, I don't think it's called the right, conserv- in, in England, I don't think it's called the right, but the conservative parties were definitely using her to their advantage. And she also received a lot of criticism because Mother Teresa got a lot of different awards 
during her life from a lot of different countries. Mm-hmm. She is well laureled. Yes, and uh, she received a lot of criticism for accepting an award from Ronald Reagan because at the time he had like paid off military militias to like kill a bunch of people in uh, Central America, and that was literally happening happening when she was receiving that award. And a lot of people were like, "You're so pro life, but you're I gonna mean, you can't you can't take any award right from any political figure if you're gonna be like that." Well, that's also what I thought too because it's just hard. every political figure has been involved in war and killing people right. because countries kill people. That's they do yeah. that. Yes, yes. Which I I see both sides of the coin on this one. Yeah, I I, do. I mean you probably just shouldn't be involved in politics at all. Well, right, but, but th- and that's what she would try to say. She'd be like, "I'm not political," and I was like, "Bitch, yes, you are." Like, accepting the award, you're a little political. You're a little bit correct. Just saying, saying no to everyone would be instead of saying yes to everyone. Yeah. That would be the better correct. route, probably. Exactly. And Mother Teresa said that she did. Oh, like I just said, she said she didn't get involved in politics, but then she toured Central America, specifically Guatemala, where all the. Uh, where Ronald Reagan was blowing everybody up, and she was like, "I don't know, the parts I went to were nice." Man, all the, all this is very nice. Yeah, I didn't see one little child get blown up the whole time I was here. Is that what she sounds like? I guess this is that's not a, what I heard. That's Did mother, I like your no, mother Teresa. That's, that's mother. That's mother Teresa. I don't understand why everyone's so upset at me, but they can thanks for Ronald Reagan. I love him and his acting in that movie with the monkey. I haven't seen that movie. Yeah, he acted in a movie where a monkey was his sidekick. That's all I know. I don't remember the name of the movie. I have actually never seen a Ronald Reagan movie, nor will I ever. Um, Not many people have. But she also accepted an award from Baby Doc DeVolier, which he is a horrible Haitian leader. His name was Baby Doc? Well, that's what he was called. I don't remember. Okay. But his nickname was Baby Doc. Um, But he was a horrible Haitian leader, and... um, she, like, praised his efforts with the poor in Haiti, but really he, like... Kept his entire country in poverty and really like was totalitarian dictator. Really, and Man, I gotta, I gotta and say, he lived a life of luxury, and his people were just. I love the way Baby Doc treats his poor. He's got a lot of them for our charities to yeah, treat. Yeah, and treat in quotation marks. Of yeah, course. exactly, and. Yeah, but Haiti is also basically run by the Catholic Church, so it's not super surprising that she had this viewpoint, but. Mm. That's another. Uh, I feel like you could do an entire podcast just on the relationship of Baby Doctor Volier and Mother Teresa, and we don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. But another person that she uh, had a good relationship with, which was concerning, was uh, Charles Keating. Her, he and Mother Teresa were really tight. He was a he was a uh, multimillionaire tycoon. Um, but he was another white collar criminal. He had one of the biggest white collar crimes that ever that happened in the eighties. We'll do a podcast on him sometime. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, her and him were tight. And for someone who was just like such an advocate for the poor and so incredibly pro life, she really picked and choose when she was and wasn't for her own gain. It just seemed like. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think everyone would do that, but like the fact to do it when you're also like. You're supposedly the most pure person ever that's yeah. like alive right now. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a little. It's like okay, cool. But uh, you know, all good things they come to an end. Uh, so in 1983, Mother Teresa suffered a heart attack when she was visiting uh, the Pope in Rome, and then this woman had a lot of heart problems. I'll just say that right out the bat. Stop! Shouldn't have been eating so much uh, sausage. I guess, but she ended up suffering another heart attack in 1989, and then she got a pacemaker, which she also... So, 
<laughs> what? What is that eye roll for? People criticized her for getting a pacemaker because they were like, you are getting all these nice medical treatments, but then you just like let people die in your charity. And I'm like, if they're going to offer her a pacemaker, like... What's she just going to do? Die? <laughs> like, I guess was what they wanted her to do. I don't really know, but I get what people are saying. Yeah. Like, I just think the criticisms are separate, though. I think that's what you're trying to get to. It's yeah. like, it's like, yes, they're not related. You know, like they're kind of related, but like, come on. Yeah, like I do and I don't. It's just like, let the woman have a pacemaker. And then in 1991, she ended up getting pneumonia while she was in Mexico. Ooh, she got pneumonia in Mexico. Yeah, that really is New Mexico. <laughs> Took me a minute. Um, and her pneumonia ended up uh, causing more heart problems. Lol. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and uh, this may have this might have been. I don't know why I wrote this. This may have been a sign to die, but she didn't. Just like <laughs> I don't know why. She could have given up, man. She could have tapped out right there. But guess she what? She didn't. She didn't die. She came in. She had her She's taxi like partner. She had her taxi partner coming from outside the ring. Tagged her tap. With a chair. Bam. Kicked that heart disease in the ass. She yep. got back up. Well, in 1996, she ended up falling and she broke her collarbone. <laughs> and then falls and breaks her collarbone. And then four months later, she got malaria and heart failure. Malaria. Give her some antibiotics. Yep. Give her that <laughs> antibiotic. Um, and then this is just ridiculous, but there is an archbishop who was like, I think a demon's trying to get her. So he ordered a priest to do an exorcism on her, which she she said, do it. Um, the demon is called getting fucking old. Yeah, dude. she was like, eighty six when they performed the exorcism. I'm like, she's just old. <laughs> she said she fell and broke a collarbone and got like pneumonia. Like, yeah, she's old. She gets sick. You're like, it's a demon. All right. I would hate to be. I feel like going through an exorcism would just be so emotionally draining. For you, I'd probably sit there and be like, all right. I don't know. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, just goes like, blah, blah, I've like, never touches, watched an exorcism. Touches you with a fucking cross or some shit. I don't know. I don't know what it's like either. I've only seen I've, The Exorcist, and I fall asleep during the first half every single time. Why is it that boring? <sighs> the beginning. I I've was watching seen... late at night, too, and I put it on, and then I fall asleep. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen The Exorcist. Mm. Um, I'm afraid of that stuff. But anyway, long story short, she died on <laughs> September 5th. <laughs> what an unceremonious <laughs> transition, but yeah. <laughs> She ended up dying on September 5th, 1997 at the age of 87. And at the time of her death, Mother Teresa had 517 missions in 100 countries around the world. I think it might be more today. But, um, you know, after her death, she's really remembered quite fondly. Um, you know, very few people have negative things to say about people her. People remember her as a saint. I texted a lot of people while I was writing this and was like, did you know Mother Teresa was a scumbag? And most people said no. They didn't know that. So. Nice. She's remembered fondly. And on the under the. So on the 100th anniversary of her birth, India actually issued a special five rupee coin with her on it. It's not a lot of money, by the way. But it's used often. It's actually cute. I looked it up. Like, I mean, you know, it's like a little Sacagawea coin. It's cute. Uh, one rupee is equal to point oh one four dollars so it's a penny yeah so it's, but it's, it's used a, a lot it's a nickel basically yeah well guess what it's used a lot so great <laughs> do you want to be on the five dollar bill or the hundred dollar yeah do you want to be on the five dollar bill or you want to be on the hundred dollar bill you want to be on the five dollar bill because it's used more 
no, I want to be on the $100 bill because it's worth more and I seem more like a badass. The bigger denomination of bill I'm on, the bigger my dick was. That's what that's what it is in my mind. Ben Franklin does not seem like he has a big dick. Are you kidding me? Ben Franklin fucked everything that lived. He was... Sh- that doesn't mean his dick is No, big. he was... Sh- he had BDE. He was swinging meat and you can't tell me anything no, different. Also, I- for him to get the kind of a puss that he got being as rotund he as he was at the time, you think he was going around to that like, hey, baby, I tell I tied a key to my kite. Now let me see what's in them uh, fucking Pantaloons. jeans, girl. You know, like no, he was he was schlinging meat, and I guarantee. I don't think that Benjamin Franklin had a big dick. All right, if so- I had to pick a founding father with the biggest dick, I don't know which one I would pick, but it wouldn't oh, be Ben Franklin. So Benjamin Franklin was well, not Benjamin Franklin. I think Paul Revere probably had a big dick. Paul Revere barely did anything. He was a fucking silversmith. He rode his horse one night. All right, fuck Paul Revere. Ah. Uh, the- how would they have known if the British were coming? He also, he was one of like 50 people that did that. The story behind that is stupid. Okay, well, anyway. We, we digress, though. I think that Vince Franklin did, had an average to small size penis, and then that is a hill I will die on. But anyway, <laughs> she got added to the rupee. And two years after she died, the Pope began the process of... <sighs> I don't know how to pronounce any of these things. Canonization. Oh, oh! I thought yes. you were looking for that word. Canonization. Yeah. Well, he started that process to make her a saint, which usually you have to wait five years for that to start after you die. But uh, he jump-started it. Sure jump-started it. And she was also beatified. Beatified. I think it's beatified. By the Catholic, in the Catholic Church, which means that people can pray to her and she can intercede God for their favor. So she's like, oh, so it's like, I don't want to bother God with this, but I'll bother Mother Teresa. And you shall not praise false idols. This This is only in the Catholic Church. We don't do this in the Christian Church. This seems like a very... It's very normal to pray to saints in the Catholic Church. We don't do it. You know, it just seems like maybe might be against the rules. Well... And I don't even know the rules that well, but I'm still kind of like, I don't know. I also think that it's strange, but it's popular. It's popular. I'm just telling you. Not fair, 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 fair. But anyways, um, so I could be like, hey, Mother Teresa, can you help my cancer go away? And then if she wanted to, she could make my cancer go away. And that's how that works. Um, So anyway, it's not real. Like, it's not real that people believe it. So whatever. Um, But in order to become a saint, here's the five steps it takes to become a saint. All right. For all of you at home wanting to become a saint, here's Here's all you have to do. do. I'm going to give you my five-step saint plan right now. Number one. Typically wait five years until after you die. She was an exception. Two, be a servant of God. Three, show proof of a heroic virtue. Four, have verified miracles. Mm. And five, have a second verified miracle. So you got a two miracles. Yeah. That's the thing. Also, four and five are kind of the same, yeah. honestly. So there's only four steps to become really, a Really, there's only four steps. Four um, easy steps. So the second miracle is what makes you be able to be canonized. And allegedly, two people said that she, that after she was um, beatified, um, she healed their cancer. And the first lady's husband was like, that's a bunch of crap. That was the doctor, not Mother Teresa. But the church didn't care, so they pushed on with their agenda. And as of September 4th, 2016, Mother Teresa became a saint in the Catholic Church, which was in our lifetime, which mm-hmm. is kind of... Well, there's been 900 in the past eight yeah, it's years not that special. canonized now, though, so now I'm just like, oh, It's not okay. that big of a deal. Um, but there were some after-death scandals at her uh, little charity. Ooh. Yeah, this actually is really bad. Spill the tea. 
tea. I actually forgot about this until I started researching this. And then I was like, oh, shit, this was bad. Um, so in 2015, a human trafficking scandal came to light, and um, it appeared that four children that they knew of um, who had come to the charity were sold for whatever reason. Like, they were in the orphanage for whatever reason. So they were in an orphanage? Well, some so their of them parents were in the orphanage. So some of them were in the orphanage. Okay. But then some of them were not in the orphanage. Great. They were so the they charity. either were or were not in an orphanage. The well, they two weren't. They weren't that like, you can be. It wasn't like a yanking from the street deal. It was like they were at one of the charities. Yes. Yeah, they didn't snatch them up off the street or anything like that. Um, but they were sold to different families and not for very much money, for like $2,000. It's cheaper than adapting, which is why people did it. I don't know. I feel like you can buy a, you can buy a kid from like a poor country for $2,000. Easy, man. No, it's like thirty grand. Oh, really? You yeah. think they'd be really wanting to get rid of them kids? No. Adop- international adoption is another whole topic, but that is also fucking bad. Just, I I wire you $2,000, you put the kid in a crate, you send me the crate. You Although it is illegal to ship humans in America, yeah, I did learn the go. other day. But one, be. So, but one child was taken from its mother, who came to the charity to give birth to him. Oh. That was shitty. That was shitty. Was she concerned? Was she just like, did they tell her that the kid died? Or what did they do? Or they just I like, think they just sold him and she was like, where's my kid? And then like, no one had an answer. I don't they know, were like, well, no, no, no. Are you sure you came here to give birth? Weren't you the one that had tuberculosis? <laughs> I think you were schizophrenic. You didn't have a baby. Oh, that's why you think you have a baby. This makes sense. Shitty. What do you mean but your vagina's literally ripped open right now? No, that's from the schizophrenia. That's, from, that's because you had raw sex. schizophrenia. You had sex with that. You had sex with Ben Franklin. That's why your vagina's tore up. So shreds. we agree. I'm just going to let you have that one. <laughs> uh, but apparently the charity had stopped facilitating adoptions. Which was something they used to do because in India, they changed their laws in regards to adoption and the charities didn't approve of it because they were hella Catholic. So single women and those who had previously been divorced could now adopt and the nuns didn't like that. Like, why the fuck do you even care if the kids go into a loving Also, home? didn't fucking... Do they know that in America, gay people can adopt kids? Because I would love to see their reaction. Didn't we already have this debate with the... Oh, no. I was going to say we already had this debate with Henry VIII, but that's how Protestantism... <laughs> Was partially was formed. He he converted to Protestantism because yeah, the Catholic got Church divorced. wanted they let him let divorce. Him divorce. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Never mind. Mm-hmm. They still don't like divorce, but you know what? All of my uh, relatives who my are Catholic parent. have gotten divorced. Nice. Mm, it's a problem. It's almost like fifty percent of people will. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But anyway, they got a, the women who sold. These babies, they got arrested, and but there's actually no telling how many children have been sold. Like, So at least four. At least four. Could be more. But, you know, this sadly, really, it's not a new thing for nuns to do. Um, I've heard of things like this happening in the 60s, specifically in Ireland. Did you ever watch the movie Philhamina? No. Okay, well, it's a great movie. Okay. And it's about a woman who, and it's a true story, Her name unfortunately. Her Philhamina? Yes. Cool. Lucky guess. It's not a shitty movie. Lucky It's a guess. good movie. It's a good movie. It's about this woman, and it's a true story. She went, so she was a 16 year old pregnant teen mom in uh-huh. Ireland, had, was sent to the convent to have the baby and like be there for a few years. And so they kept her and the kids separate, but like she would see him multiple times a day. Uh-huh. Um, and they just put him up for adoption without her consent. And this would happen all the time. 
the nuns would just put babies up for adoption. Is that legal? No, it's not legal, but oh. it would happen. But there was like also no way to, like it was the 60s, who cares? But this would happen all the time. So this isn't new, unfortunately, but Mother <laughs> Teresa's charity did it. But you know what? Mother Teresa, she had nothing to do with it because she was dead. So yeah, no, no telling if it happened under her watch, though. We don't know about that. We can't ask her. She's dead. But you could pray to her and ask you her. You see but Mother I don't Teresa think... trying to sell a kid? But uh, you could pray to her to ask her, but I don't know if she'd answer. Ah, what are you talking about? Yes, I didn't sell no kids. But um, in conclusion, Mother Teresa, was she good? Was she bad? Was she evil? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, <sighs> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We may not agree that the with the millions of mismanaged dollars that was donated to her charity, and we may not agree with the complete disregard of sanitary medical care of her patients, and we may not agree with her political affiliations, but we all sin. We have our own wrongdoings. Mother Teresa's legacy of selflessness lives on in our hearts, and she is warmly beloved by many people around the globe. Her memory will continue to live on, but maybe now a little bit tarnished. And also, no one served any jail time for any of this. Oh, except for those people that got arrested for except being for a trafficking this, yeah, part. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all the other stuff, no one went to jail for Well, that. to be fair, she died, so it's yeah. not like you could. Also, you really can't. It's really hard to prosecute the church, right? Yeah. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, it's a very touchy subject everywhere, even here in America. Like, mm-hmm. if a church does something wrong, like, what do you, like, are you going to charge the church with something? It's a tough sell. It is. When a lot of people believe in the church that are your, like, yeah. constituents, yeah. you know? So, yeah. But that doesn't mean that they are above the law. They shouldn't be above the law. No, they shouldn't. Um, and we've talked about some religious figures here before because Nina is very religious and she's got a lot of good background. I am not religious. I she was very I religious. Grew she's up got religious. A, she's got a lot of good background in this, so she has a yeah. very unique uh, perspective. perspective on it and she can really talk about it very well. Um, and I think the running theme is that they get away with a lot of shit because they they're the church, but just because they're the church doesn't mean that they're fucking perfect. No, absolutely. And they so, shouldn't be fucking at all. Yeah. Clem but if purity. you're gonna but if you're gonna fuck, fuck perfect. Right? Yeah. So yep. Yep. put that on a bumper sticker if you're gonna fuck, fuck perfect. Uh <laughs> anyways. Is, is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you know? Here, do the end spiel, but I have a review. (laughs) Do the end spiel. Thank you guys so much for listening again to this episode on Mother Teresa. Uh, I'm sorry for all the nun puns that I put out today. And I'm also sorry for ruining your lives. I felt like, oh, I forgot to say this earlier. When I found out that Mother Teresa was low-key a scumbag, I felt the same way I did when I found out that the founding fathers cheated on their wives. I was crushed. Oh, man. Someone watched Hamilton. No, Uh, someone found out when they were 13 that they cheated on their wives in social studies class, and I was dumbfounded. Is cheating on your wife really that bad? When I was 13, I thought so. I guess that's fair. You also thought that the book of Revelations was real. Hey, Jesse, is cheating on your wife that bad? She's not my wife. See what your girlfriend says. I mean, and I think she would agree with me that in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> that cheating on your wife is one of the most mundane bad things that people do because it happens all the fucking time. Yeah, well, that's because monogamy isn't realistic, but that's another topic for Oh, day. my God. Thank you guys for listening <laughs> to the exercise on Mother Teresa and so- that somehow just went into monogamy and Ben Franklin's penis. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I think, why don't we just get into that review that you had? Yeah, Matt? so our friend Sammy over on Instagram, she left us a review. And Shout no, out to Sammy, you the OG. Yes, no, Sammy's cool. So she said this. Wait, WTF? I found this podcast a week ago and have been binging. And to be honest, I thought it was a huge podcast and I'm shook. But hey, I feel like a founding father. Love your banter. You're the shit. I love you. Which, that really warmed my heart. And if you want to help make us a huge podcast like Sammy thought we were, please, please, please like, subscribe, follow, share, 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 share. You want to tap some more there, Nina? <laughs> no, I made a um, offer very early in the uh, beginnings of this episode about what I would do if people shared our content oh enough. Oh my god, that's and, um, right. No one's come through, so I'm not going to repeat it. But uh, it was just the left, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all we'll say. But I just wanted to know. Yep. Uh, yeah. So thank you so much, Felicity. You can uh, make us a bigger podcast by. Uh, liking our page or following us on social media platforms uh facebook.com slash white collars red hands you can follow our twitter at white collars pod uh you can follow our instagram at white collars underscore red hands or you can shoot us an email with either a suggestion or just talk to us ask us a question we'd love to answer i don't do anything uh at white collars red hands at gmail.com you can go to our website white collars red hands.com and you can go to the youtube page on entertainment you can go to entertainment buffet's youtube page and our uh you can stream us on youtube and that's where we're hosted yeah we can make some money that way with ads and stuff yeah um so also you could go by leave a review uh our analytics show (laughs) that 80 percent of you right now are listening on itunes and itunes does have a review system so if you want to mind going on leaving us a a review we love a five-star review but we will take an honest review as long as you uh, leave something down there written about how uh, we can improve and maybe what you liked too. Give us a little good with the bad, huh? Wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Constructive criticism. Exactly. Um, and I think that's all I have. So That's all I've got. So for the fifth time, I think, in this outro, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.